Hello again, everybody. So today is day to be. Um, actually, I'm going to go through a whole bunch of things, but uh, relative to, uh, I guess you could say, my own life. I'm going to go through a decade in the making um, and uh, some crossover uh, situations that I think have happened. Um, kind of on the, just so happened last yesterday so anyway i'm gonna delve into those things uh but we're gonna let this music play and then i'll be back in just a second So, I titled this A Decade in the Making. I guess you could think I I looked back about a decade uh, from today and thought about what I was doing and what I was uh, my agenda was and what I knew then and what, what I know now. And I think it's important because uh, my plan at that time, I just uh, actually completed a semester um, back at Purdue University and actually it was the most successful uh, semester I'd ever had in college um, in terms of grades and whatnot, of course. Um, I got uh, I got all A's and a B plus in a history class, a medieval history class. Now, I know most people say, well, you know, I was undergraduate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, I'd gone back to kind of uh, uh, set up a foundation to going to back to... Uh, work on getting an MBA because at that time I, I had been out of school for a very long time and hadn't really touched on anything. And so I, and at this, at that, at this date and time, a decade ago, I know where I was. I was working uh, for Purdue at uh, what's called Purdue Village, which is a, uh, where the uh, student housing and we were cleaning up uh, the student uh, houses you know, cleaning them out, you know, repairing them, fixing bathrooms, uh, painting, 
just overall uh, general upkeep of uh, uh, housing units that had been uh, uh, finally depart. You know, the the resident had moved out. So that's what I was doing that summer. Not making a lot of money. Didn't really matter. I was uh, I was in a quote student mode, and uh, I accepted that. At least I accepted that was going to be my further reality for a while. As it turns out, by October, actually October 1st, uh, I wound up uh, getting a uh, consulting job uh, back in my old profession, I guess you could say, or the my old degree uh, situation was industrial engineering. And at the time, I was, you know, living kind of, you know, hand to mouth and uh, just trying to make it, and uh, I accepted that. And I, you know, I had a plan for that when I had moved uh, down to West Lafayette. So I moved down to West Lafayette in October of uh, 2011. And I'm only going through all this background because it lays the foundation for all the things that I'm going to try to go into as far as, uh, in particular, uh, this idea of uh, media and, and how it's uh, the social engineering and the and the way we're... Uh, uh, going as a society. So at that time, you know, I, I had aspirations to go, you know, and I, I studied that summer for uh, the GMAT, which is a, you know, the test that you take to uh, uh, get into your uh, MBA program here in, in the United States. And so I was studying and doing practice tests and, and trying to bone up or get my math skills back up to shape and get my verbal skills uh adequately for the test testing um and as it turned out i wound up i mean i wound up getting a, a 630 i think it's 630 620 or 630 i forget which number i scored exactly the same on the math and the and the english in terms of percentile which i mean shows kind of relative balance but uh, that being said i mean it wasn't like a fantastic score or anything and i'd been out of practice and i probably didn't do as much work as i needed to it is what it is. You take the test and you move on. Uh, so uh, luckily I got into a program at Valparaiso and started in the spring of 2013. So at that time I had cut off uh, my uh, usage of media. When I say usage of media, I, I didn't have cable. Uh, whatever media I took in was uh, via the internet. I, at that time frame I was very politically uh neutral when i say neutral i mean i just didn't i was apolitical i really just didn't pay any attention to any of it i mean i knew the i knew who the president was and knew who the vice president was yada yada that kind of thing but i didn't really their policies i thought were probably abysmal and thought it was just washington dc as being washington dc i remember uh the aca had been i got taxed my I think it was, uh, yeah, it would have been 2012 or 2013. Uh, when I filed my taxes in 2013, I do remember having paying the penalty for not having a health care because I couldn't sign up for it because I wasn't making enough money uh, to really do it. So I had to pay a penalty. I think it was like, I don't know, I think I paid like a 150 or $200 penalty. I don't know what exactly it was, but it was in that that range. So that's how much the government got extra out of me just because it decided... I didn't need health care. I need a health care plan. And I know a lot of people say, well, you should have gotten a health care plan. Well, it's all well and good to tell someone to get something like that. But forcing it upon somebody seems kind of, well, authoritarian. But, you know, uh, 
that's where we're at now. So, I mean, it seems like we have this uh, top-down mechanism, the classism that's been uh, uh, done, but we'll get into that. <clears throat> so, I divorced myself from this media complex. I I, I had been in the, the 2000s a political junkie. Uh, when I say political junkie, I mean, I used to watch all the typical uh, talk shows and anything late at night. When I wasn't watching Sports Center, I was watching... Uh, I remember watching Chris Matthews, Hardball, on uh, MSNBC. Uh, yeah, I remember Keith Oberman. I remember, uh, you know, back when he had uh, at least a, just a smidgen of a sense of humor. Now he has just nothing but outrage porn. So he chose where he was then. I remember he used to have a segment at the very end of his show, something about the most evil man in the world or some bullshit. I don't know. The most... Uh, despicable person whatever it was doesn't really matter so that just tells you where you know <laughs> it tells you that yeah i used to watch the msnbc's and the cnn's i used to flip through on cnn for election results and uh the debates between you know uh all the typical talking heads that were on there and how they used to frame thing and how wonderful barack obama was in 2008 but i cut my cable cord in 2008-2009 due to the financial crisis. It wasn't necessarily just me, but at that time frame I I was still living. Uh, I was kind of uh, unfortunately in, in dire straits and uh, uh, trying to help my mother out with her and her sister living living with them and spending most of my time out most of my time out in the garage in my man cave or man garage which was a rundown run down garage but I'd go out there turn on the light turn on the stereo and uh take apart stuff or you know listen to whatever broadcast matter of fact uh uh irony of irony I posted just posted I used to listen to Dr. Drew and uh Psycho Mike uh love lines and um that kind of thing that was that was kind of my adventure in the middle of the night and uh you know I just then I go to work and then come home and blah 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 but from 2008 to 2016, I was divorced of uh, the media. Media complex didn't didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, didn't read a lot of mainstream media, except when I went and when I was doing my MBA, I would just you know do the research necessary to to fulfill the assignments and role. But I was actually very unplugged. I didn't use my phone to keep up with the latest politics or whatever. Any politics I, you know, paid attention to was just merely, you know, on the on the surface. At that time, I was nominally a Democrat. I mean, I had voted Democrat. I'd voted Independent. I never voted Republican at that point. So, in essence, I was just, you know, your typical sheeple. Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't wasn't necessarily like searching for extra answers or anything. It wasn't that I was unaware that I thought the the system was a hustle or thought that there was a lot of corruption in the government. I'd been through the system. When I say I'd been through the system, I'd been, actually been through the, the judicial system, the criminal system. I'd seen what goes on there and saw that, you know, we had a lot of uh, extra uh, extra emphasis on uh, demonizing people um, for whatever way to get a, a judicial decision. And i I knew what it was like to have people lie against you. I knew what it was like to to read things about yourself that are not true or 
or frame the framing of a, a person in a way in a, a speculative light that had nothing to do with what the actual situation was but that is what it is and that's a that's a whole other different complex or story to uh, go through um and it'll lead into something we'll, we're gonna go through in a second but the reason why i say the decade in the making is is you know, you you start to get little a little uh, being divorced from the media for that long a period of time where you're not really taking a lot of it in. It also you become more aware of other things that you weren't paying a lot of attention to. Like my first example would be in like around 2013, 2014, I was in an NBA presentation or listening to an NBA presentation by a a woman who worked for like Landis Gear or. I forget where she... She worked for a fairly um, technical... Uh, I think it was maybe Dana or something like that. A big a big conglomerate, multinational conglomerate that would, you know... And she was doing this presentation on uh, brains in particular. Men, and, men versus women. And how their brains are structured and how they're organized. Yada, yada, yada. And it, it was really slathered with a lot of feminism thinking, feminism talk, you know... Feminism, you know, the, the the female brain has an eight-lane highway between the left and right brain, whereas the men, it's only, there's only, you know, there's like a, a, a dirt road between the left and the right-hand side. It really was demeaning and, uh, you know, really, you know, kind of very sexist. The kind of sexism that, you know, you know, it, it tried to paint men, women as just having a more adaptable brain and men are just, you know, don't have, and it's like the overgeneralization was... I remember it, and it was very, you know, didn't say anything at the time because I was just sitting there listening to it. But I was thinking, is this really, really the way you want to present these ideas, or do you want to evolve or adapt it? Because I can see, you know, there there are things that women are very good at in terms of multitasking. They actually use a higher percentage of their physical strength in conditioning relative to their body so for example like their one rep max is usually uh say say a woman's one rep max is uh a hundred pounds on something just just to pick a, a round number uh they may be able to do like you know five or six uh repetitions of 90 pounds which even though the one rep max is 90 percent, they can incorporate more of their uh muscles uh to uh to still hit nearly that same one rep max Whereas men, for the most part, their their their, uh, their uh, ability to work out with rep, what I call rep, doing more than just a, a max, uh, they can maybe do only about seventy five percent of the one rep max. So say uh, a guy uh, bench pressing, he can bench press two hundred twenty five pounds, which is four, two plates on each side, um, and they can do on a on a forty five plates. So two twenty five, they can do one rep racks of two twenty five. Just say that that is what the guy does, and chances are his uh, his workout weight for like seventy it would be about seventy five percent. Say he can do like a set of six or five, and he could probably only do about one seventy five, he might be or one eighty something like that, somewhere in that where it'd be substantially different than a woman. So for example, if hers was two twenty five, it would be two hundred five. Now I know I'm getting in the weeds here, but what I'm saying here is that neurologically we are configured differently that is true but the way 
you present that idea to a population, especially in a uh, graduate level program, uh, she didn't present any of that. She she slathered it with a lot of uh, demeaning and demoralizing of men and making it sound like men are just, you know, simple sheep that can't be taught anything or don't uh, learn well and, and, and along that lines. And that's where you get into this. Uh, this is a kind of an awakening of, uh, I was like, okay, if this is what's being said in a graduate level class, imagine what's being said below that. And I just started thinking that. And this was around, like I said, 2013, 2014. And so at that point in time, I wasn't really all that happy with myself, at least in terms of of uh, not only my weight or conditioning or any of that kind of stuff. Mainly, I had uh, uh, fallen off substantially from my uh, my uh, mom's passing, and I was probably dealing with a little uh, residual depression, a little po- uh, post traumatic from other things, and just yeah, uh, I kept to myself and I always have really. I've never really been a uh, even though I'm sociable and I can get along with people, and just you know, when you're of a certain social socioeconomic uh, status, uh, your ability to uh, constantly hang out with other people is reflected in that particular status. Uh, people don't uh, don't really understand that, or certainly don't seem to appear to understand that. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they uh, they may may intellectually say well you're just you know you're just using that as an excuse i can say yeah and i can also say that uh people tend to people have a certain group of people that they hang around for a number of years and it's usually determined by where they're at in terms of their career in terms of their success and in terms of where they're living at etc etc there's a whole host of factors there's very few people that can keep a long-term amount of friendships in their life and that's determined by that so at that point in time, so I wasn't really uh, inter- interacting with certain people. And the people in my MBA program were all, I would call them transits, uh, transitory. Um, there were a few people who lived in the area. But for the most part, most of us were just focusing on our career. We didn't really work with each other very well. The projects we did together were mainly thrown together and was about just creating enough of an output so that people, so we would present a presentation dress up for it, put our little suits and dresses on and show up there, do our little presentation. But for the most part, we weren't really delving into anything uh, superior, uh, like a superior project of some sort. And that reflected. So I got my MBA. I got out in 2015. And in 2016, uh, you know, as I as I, as I didn't have to worry about school anymore and I was actually doing a job or at a work, I was, uh, uh, had work, I was working for a major, um, company for automotive, uh, a company called TRW and they had just been uh, bought out by, uh, ZF, which is a German company and, uh, they were consolidating and yada yada. But, uh, as I worked there, had been there since uh, October of 2014, I noticed, uh, you know, how I felt about things were changing. Uh, in particular, we were losing business to uh, China at that point in time. I lost a huge gear business that was tied to Ford, by the way. So Ford was pulling gear business that we had rescued them with 
in terms of the, the prior manufacturer had, uh, went out of business in 2009 and uh, this they had picked up this gear business from the, that manufacturer's uh, closing out of Indianapolis. And then the in the run-up to a new bid, for basically the same gear going into the uh, going into trucks, um, uh, Ford had decided to cut, you know, ZFTRW's throat and say, "Oh, we're going to go send it to China because we're going to save money on labor," which is quite interesting because it seems like that's a that's that's solely the concern for these 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 people are so and then this is the irony of it all. So currently we have a big push to uh, social engineer in the entire world uh, using ESG as a stick to hit people with. This is coming from people who uh, they talk about being socially, uh, you know, environmentally and socially friendly. Well, how environmentally friendly is it to move all your manufacturing out of a country and then import it all back (laughs) via shipping? Uh, How environmentally friendly or... How uh, socially friendly is it to to basically discriminate against your own local populace? Ford Motor Company being, you know, what it is and located in Michigan and the home of a whole host of things. How, how uh, so, uh, socially and environmentally responsible is it to send all your, uh, your uh, things that you don't really want to do here overseas? I mean, you know, isn't it kind of just like slitting your own throat? But of course, you know, they're not really cared about that. Yeah, they can they use whatever excuse to get by with whatever they want to do, and the same way with governance as, as well. They don't they don't care particularly care if they put anybody incompetent in, in charge of uh, these uh, directorships. They just want to put somebody there that'll be easily easily will do what they're told and say the right lines when they're asked to say them. So I started awaken to that, and I actually got in got into a kind of conflict uh, because I. I uh, denied a, um, a program's operation. I, I had some min- a minimal amount of a blockage uh, capability to say I didn't see a usefulness to outsource a, a particular uh, casting to uh, China, and this was even no, this wasn't even tied to Ford. This was tied to a wholly different program, and I was overrode by uh, uh, the purchasing department, who had went over to quote unquote went over to China. Got the pristine gear, uh, pristine casting, and housing. It was a housing uh, for gear, and uh, you know they were all well and good with that. The point was, is I started to notice that you know people just, you know, they they don't really think long term at all. They just they're like, oh, the purchasing department says, yeah, we're going to save ten bucks or fifteen bucks, and not even looking at the quality, knowing that the quality would degrade. Knowing that China's known per, uh, known for this, this they've been renowned for this since the 2000s. I mean, they sent thousands they sent thousands of pets to their death in the 2000s due to poisoning of uh, dog food and pet food, and yet people just ignored all that. They just they don't really seem to they don't think about any of that. They don't care about that. They say, oh, they've improved their quality, blah blah blah, and they and, and oh, beyond that, the human rights. Uh, violations, you know, we. I mean, when I was going through my MBA, I started to notice that too. We did some analysis and found out how many, uh, how the Chinese were coming up in terms of uh, the size of their corporations, and all they were doing was just literally vampiring off the United States. 
and we have executives who are just oblivious to this or certainly have bought into this. They think, oh, we can make China more democratic and they'll be more more rights friendly. No, they didn't. They didn't change them at all. And this is the technocracy that had been been instilled. And as a matter of fact, I just listened to a podcast along that lines that basically said, yeah, Stephen Bechtel and a bunch of other people went over there and uh, built up their infrastructure under the under the under the guise of helping them and, and did it totally on the sneak. So this has been going on for generations. But we've imported their authoritarianism here. We've imported their their idea that really the Constitution doesn't matter. Uh, we can make up the rules as we want, which helps the elites because they are not interested in making uh, uh, clean laws or or making simplicity for simplicity to the people. Because, you know, simple things uh, would uh, would actually make it so they would be held accountable if the people knew that their laws could be uh, put on them in a rational way, uh, then, <laughs> then people would actually have an adherence to a law. Uh, matter, of fact, matter of fact, what if everybody, you know, could uh, access the entire legal system with, say, a, a little pamphlet, that, you know, like the Constitution... Huh. There's a there's a novel idea, and a few local laws that are uh, applicable to the state they live in, and they could do that and have that in fifty or a hundred pages, and could always carry it around or have it at home, and then they, but then that would eliminate the need for lawyers because everybody would know what the law is. The reason why uh, you have to have a law, legal system the way it is, a guild system, which is a development out of the Middle Ages, uh, is to you know. You got to have these specialists to interpret things, to create this law, the case law. Imagine if case law was very, very simplistic. What if you know? What if if we're looking at case law? And granted, I I I, I appreciate the breadth and scope of the English and American legal system. The problem is with the the system, though, is we have lawmakers, and now we have agencies who are making law through their rulings and through their stupid, which, of course, that was the whole point. So Obama, and this is one of the outgrowths of the Obama administration, was that they turned everything over to the agencies. They uh, they actually, and there were many people who were uh, uh, very complicit in this and, and plenty of actors and complicit in this. In the disinformation campaign, and this is where we'll pivot, this disinformation campaign came along with that. The idea that we have to tell people that, you know, the campuses are full of, full with sexual assaults and rapes and everything else. When the reality is that's, while existent and certainly has existed at a younger age, the overwhelming majority of the time it is just basically two teenagers or two 20-somethings who can't get along with each other because they're, they have identity crisis or they're making accusations against each other out of spite and out of revenge. And we turned this over to uh, a campus council and eliminated due process because then, then then they could get the other person banned off campus, in particular men, because you have a lot of spiteful women who have been taught and deluded and conditioned to think a certain way. That's where the whole social conditioning and social construct has come from and this intertwines with all the greater narratives that have been 
foisted upon people since basically Obama got into office. The idea that, you know, gender is a, you know, the sex is irrelevant and gender is totally, you know, can be constructed and you can have all these many flavors out there like Baskin Robbins and, and nothing really matters and it's all arbitrary and, you know, just foisted upon people in any way, shape or form. And people are coming to wake up and realize that this has been going on. Um, and I did too. I didn't really realize this until right around 2016. So um, this is when I first ran across the idea of dis- disinformation. Or I want to say ran across the idea. This is the first one I started really seeing. So at that point I was on Facebook one day. And I remember seeing a story in the column there about Tiger Woods. And it was talking about you know Tiger Woods has all these accusations and had something. It was some cockamamie article and i was like reading it and i'm like why is this on facebook and then i click on it and it was clickbait of course but i read i was like okay so facebook is peddling this stuff or they allowed somebody to peddle this stuff but the thing is is, is beyond that it was like okay so it's seeding some some idea that you know that isn't um it's unusual and so at that point in time i started to question i was like okay how much other shit's going on then I turned back on the TV set, and I'm I'm going through this long uh, long um, presentation because I'm going through my life and I'm also trying to incorporate events. So I turn back on the TV set and I hear all this stuff about Trump and Hillary Clinton and all this dirty politics. I'm thinking, ah, this is just. A... But then I hear the the announcers and the broadcasters that I used to listen to seven and eight and ten years prior, and the way they are framing people. And I'm talking about the people, the American public, in relationship to these candidates. And I am just just dumbfounded. I'm like, since when did the American public become the enemy of these, uh, these, these assholes, these overpaid assholes on TV? I mean, and the way they're, you know, they're feeding, they're feeding into it. And at that time, I didn't know that in 2012, under Obama and supported by Republican con- congressmen they had, they had put forth uh, the um, uh, put forth an act to eliminate the uh, to uh, allow for the ability to propagandize uh, to the American public which had been an act that they had p- and put in force in the 1940s after World War II uh, to disallow that or to not uh, allow for this mass propaganda campaign. So we took we took off the governor switch, kind of like the same way the under Clinton we took off the Glass Steagall Act, and it was the Modernization Act of 1999. And then a few years later, like seven or eight years later, uh, you had the massive financial crisis when you had investment banks and you had commercial banks had overlap. There was no Chinese wall between the two. They didn't keep their activities separate from each other. It became a massive, uh, and granted, even before that, there had always been a, uh, obviously, a, a problem with uh, people, um, insider trading and, and uh, such things, but there were a lot more regulations. Well, the Modernization Act had eliminated many of those regulations, and lo and behold, just a couple of years after that, we had the Enron scandal, and you learned about all these financial dealings. Well, we are coming to reap the rewards of that coming really quick, like within months, probably. Uh, if the market doesn't clap with it by, I'd say, July 4th, I'd be surprised. 
wouldn't be unusual. I'd say we got about six weeks at most. Three months at the longest. It depends upon how how uh, how quickly the Fed decides to do the stupid that they're doing. That's getting off the point. The point is is that under Obama, we removed we we started shifting the law. We started allowing things that we'd never allowed before. We started indoctrinating kids. We, uh, I mean, when I say starting, I mean, it was like really heavy. Before that, it was bad. Don't get me wrong. It was bad enough. But there used to be some structure and convenience. But under Obama, when he they started pushing, everybody needs to get a, a higher education. Everybody deserves to get, uh, uh, get into college. And sure enough, the academic uh, standards went to shit. People went into college, got racked up huge amounts of debt, and now they're all debt slaves. And now they're all whining that they want to... You know, they want their debts forgiven. You know, that's what happens when you 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 sell people the rope to hand in hand. Oh, we're going to make sure you have all this free money and we're going to shove you into college and you're not going to learn any actual marketable skills. But, you know, you're going to get to go to college, you know, four years to party or however long. Oh, and then you can get a graduate degree and some bullshit studies. And then, of course, these people are entitled now. They're so spoiled and entitled. They were allowed to stay on their of their parents' health care for up to 26 years old. This has all been been used as a social means to keep people down, keep people stupid, keep people on uh, voting a certain way. And it, it isn't just a de- Democrat situation. The Republicans, the ones that are actually Republicans, it makes you wonder now how many of them are really Republicans, um, are doing the same thing. They're keeping people down. Uh, they want people to, uh, they don't want people to uh, annoy them with the idea of uh, keeping a secure border or having manufacturing in their backyard. I mean, that's part of it too. Um, and we have lots of people that are continuing to do that, irrespective of, of uh, other people's rights and concerns. And this is becoming, um, this is becoming the, the loggerhead of a, uh, a decade-long march by the forces in Washington, D.C., who want to destroy this country. Uh, this uh, idea, for example, the recent you know, idea of, uh, of uh, this replacement theory. Well, it is true. And, and here's why it's true. They want to remove the people that are here or certainly uh, dilute them. It's like a stock merger. Um, or a leverage buyout, or when I say stock merger, or a uh, the dilution. If they dilute the population, and by dilute, I don't mean about the color or the race. I'm talking about dilute the population. You bring in all the international people, all the foreigners, and then they don't know their rights. They don't know about the Constitution. They don't even they they come from places that don't even have constitutions. So anything you give them to to them is wonderful. You know, socialism to them works because this is supposedly the land of milk and honey. And so, you know, the Democrats are just buying buying votes. The Republicans are just saying, ooh, cheap labor, cheap labor. See, it's both it's, it, both parties up in Washington, D.C. have their agendas. And, oh, by the way, the Republicans most of the time now are just Democrats. They really are. If you really look at their voting records on a lot of things, they're not voting uh, to conserve anything or certainly not voting to uh, to uh, put in laws and mechanisms to slow down this massive radical change. 
but that isn't the that isn't the point. Their point is to just pretend to be uh, uh, an opposition. And of course, the radicals up there, the communists that the the Biden administration has put in place. And oh, by the way, if you really look at start looking at the the complexity or the the makeup of the Biden administration, it's it's mainly radical women, radical women at the DOJ. You know, you can name them off: the Vanita Guptas, the Lisa Monacos, the uh, Clark lady. Um, like I said, Pamela Carlin. And then if you start looking at the people he's trying to put in, in uh, energy, uh, Granholm, uh, Jennifer Granholm. Then you start looking at the lady he had on who uh, handles energy. Uh, the, I don't know. She's like an assistant. They just had her recently did a, she did a, <clears throat> what do you call it, a Senate hearing. And she's killed off all the, the leases uh, to bring in energy and turn on energy. Uh, or to have speculate, you know, what I would call speculative speculation, or, or, uh, you know, you can go out there and you can uh, do your land uh, land surveying or water surveying and determine where you can find uh, uh, pools of oil or gas. And they already have most of that all done already. They just need leases so that they can buy it up and purchasing. So it goes on an open market, goes to an open bid, and the government is supposed to allot allot that land to do that. Uh, they've killed that, and it was run by a woman. They also had a woman who they brought in, and she didn't get she didn't get uh, confirmed, but she was a uh, you know uh, basically a Chinese uh, I don't know Chinese uh, Russian <laughs> to put it in perspective. She went to Moscow University, and she wrote about she wanted to destroy the energy complex. Uh, she she's a communist, a Marxist, whatever, you know. Point is, is, and then you look at his National Security Council. So they're all women. These women are very, 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 very hard left. Kamala Harris, most leftist uh, voting uh, record in uh, the Senate before she became VP. Now she's a total idiot. And the thing is, is most of these other women are complete idiots. Uh, look at the person he just put on the Kajani Jackson on the Supreme Court. Hard left. You know, once pedophiles, or, you know, basically hasn't sentenced pedophiles remotely harshly, uh, allows it, allows child pornography. Um, yeah, the reason why this is very important to know, or important to even discuss, is that is the, that is the whole social conditioning, this social justice stuff, this idea of pushing and this is this has been a response to uh, after 2009 2010 when the economic uh, crisis occurred the elites were very upset that there was a there was pushback that occupy occupy wall street and the tea party and, and etc not the the people that got hired into congress that are tea party don't I don't i don't care about those people those people are presented to the presented to the average person to be voted on because those people are handpicked by the elite to be presented as candidates so that we will, so they don't really have, they can pretend to, they can, they know the talking points. The elite all know the talking points. The, the, the richest people in the world know how to, to craft messaging and then they disseminate it through their minions, you know, all the way down. And this is, uh, so here is a, an example of this because, um, this was uh, from the Sussman trial, so this is going to be about eight or ten minutes, maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'll uh, I, I'm just going to play a snippet. I put a link in the description, but it'll be illuminating because it shows um, 
so Sussman worked at Perkins, I think Perkins Coy. He worked for the Clinton campaign. At least he built the camp. He built the campaign, so therefore he worked for them. He, you know, he, he, whatever. He was caught in a lie, and he was uh, peddling. But I'm going to let you listen to about ten minutes of this, and it'll tell you something about the the way information is being uh, handled and uh, manipulated. And I think that's an important aspect. So I'm going to shut up for a second. Another text. Any recollection, Jim? No. Then we have another one. January 22nd, same date. Sussman sends you what appears to be a screenshot of a Donald Trump tweet by the former president. Oh, no. Was it a mean tweet? How did you take that? Baker says, again, just a friendly heads up. We don't really know what the tweet says. A friendly heads up. I'm quite confident I've already seen this tweet by this point in time. But yeah, you know, Donald Trump's probably talking about the loser FBI idiots. And Baker's like, great, he's dead right. I'm totally screwed. And Baker it says, uh, but yeah. And the prosecutor's like, is that because it refers to you? He says, well, it refers to me and Michael, yes. The same tweet from the former president. <laughs> and so they got called out. And so Sussman's just like, oh, shoot. Trump just tweeted about me and Jim. I better tell Jim. He's probably still asleep or something. So he sends it over to Jim and Jim's like, oh, darn it. We got called out again. So the prosecutor says, all right, move on to the next page. How about this one in January? Again, same date, 4.07 p.m. Another article referred. uh, Yeah, so they just, you can see what's happening. They're going through a number of different text messages. They're talking about the congressional testimony that took place. And then we see June 10th of 2019. So we were in January. We fast forward to June. Five months later, Baker is asked about this text message. Sussman sends another one. Hey, Jim, heard you saw Rodney yesterday. We know who that is, Rodney Joffe, right? I'm in town the rest of June and would enjoy getting together. Would you like to meet for lunch or dinner one of these days? If so, let me know what's best, Michael. Prosecutor asks Baker, says, the reference to Rodney is right there. Any recollection of what this is? Baker says, I believe it was a reference to Rodney Joffe. I believe I ran into Rodney on the margins of some type of conference or something. He's like, I was working at a big think tank there. Part of my job is to go around to conferences. I met people, I spoke with them, and that's it. And if that's the case, if you spoke to Joppy, did you connect him in any way to September 19, 2016 with Sussman? When you met Rodney after the fact, do you have any idea he was involved in this giant scheme? Baker says no. Do you remember of anything other this, other than this interaction with Rodney? He says, no, just a fleeting sort of a thing. Very brief, hello, and that's it. They move on to the next pages, and you can see, right, going on and on and on. July 2019, we have another one talking about a lunch meeting. Been there for 10 minutes. Go into a place. Went to a different place because they were full. They have a number of discussions, and then we have a meeting on September 19th. No questions. Can't recall anything. Doesn't know whether he did it for Newstar or not. Another one. If we look to May now, May 5th, 2020, prosecutor says this one came in at 10.28 p.m. Can you read that one here for us there, Jim? Jim says, happy to. From Michael, Jim, I just heard the good news. Congratulations to you and especially to Twitter for getting you on their team. I've been working with them for 10 years and I love the company. Great issues, lots of fun challenges for you and some really good people. Does Elon know about this? He he may want to buy Twitter a lot more quickly. Can I screenshot this real quick? Yeah, let's just screenshot that right there. Elon may want to know about this. So Sussman has been working at Twitter for 10 years. 
Sussman tried to get James Baker a job at Perkins Coy, but James Baker just couldn't cut it over there, I guess, and ended up moving on, got a job over at some other entity, and then ended up at Twitter. So now Elon, is he's got a problem with Sussman and the Democrats. Does he know how close Michael Sussman is with all the Democrats over there at the Twitter? Pretty big incestuous bunch, isn't it? Twitter, Perkins Coy, Democratic National Committee, Hillary for America, and then we have most of the media, and we have all of Twitter, and the FBI on top of that. So it's pretty bad, yeah. Well, the answer comes, uh, um, uh, let me start with this. Baker's having a difficult time reading some of this out. He says, uh, how do you respond? Thanks, Michael. Thanks for the message. I look forward to working with you, exclamation point. If you don't mind, please keep it under your hat until Friday. I haven't told my current employer yet. Hope all is well with your family. Michael responds back, absolutely. I understand it's not public. Same to you and your family. And then they just finish it out. Now, this was a little bit weird. A couple days later, he sent another text. Jim, last Monday, I sent a detailed Twitter org chart to you at your Yahoo account. And tonight I send an updated version. Is there an older current email address? Should I send it elsewhere? So why does Michael Sussman have access to a detailed Twitter org chart? It's kind of strange, isn't it? He doesn't work at Twitter. James is James Baker is about to go over there and work at Twitter. So he'll get the org chart when he gets there. Why is Michael Sussman sending him org charts? Why does he have access to that? He also has access to a badge at the FBI. He just goes around wherever he wants, anytime he wants that. That's weird. Who is this guy? He's like sort of like a fixer, right? He just kind of has access to certain things. He just makes things happen behind the scenes. Somebody better tell Elon. All right, so uh, James Baker, you know, sort of getting tired of Sussman texting him all the time. He's like, so sorry I didn't respond. Had a rough week last week, still digging out. All right, let's talk later. Best of luck. Prosecutor now asks about this, says, I want to go back to that prior meeting back in 2016. And this is the big meeting, the September 19th meeting. And I want to ask you if you knew that Mr. Sussman were at that meeting for a client, if he were there, if you would have known, right? If you knew that at the time, would that have mattered to you? Very important question here. Mattered. Would it have mattered? Throughout this entire trial, this has been a big defense. It's the little white lie defense, okay? Sussman is being charged with one count of lying to the FBI. That's it. But that lie, according to the U.S. Code, it's got to be a material lie, right? He can't go into the FBI and say, you know, um, uh, I, I, I ate a healthy breakfast this morning. Like, we all know that's not true. I mean, if you're Michael Sussman. But if he went in there and told that to James Baker, James Baker would be like, great. What do you want me to do about that? Right. It's, it's, it's immaterial. It's not consequential to anything. So if you're going to. So, yeah. So it's an incestuous uh, relationship. You're, it's a big club and you're not in it. So this, uh, I'll pivot to my, uh, well, it took me a long time to get to this. I was laying out. So the disinformation. So we know Twitter is filled with uh, censorship and disinformation. You know, we got to stop people from spreading around information. And, of course, Michael Sussman was part and parcel of that. So I have this little rabbit hole. And, and, and this was triggered by I had gotten some traffic from a particular website uh, called Tierra, Tierra uh, Pura or Pure Land or, uh, you know, uh, anyway, it's, Span- it's a Spanish site that's connected to the Epoch Times, evidently. Well, when you do a when I did a Google 
search because I was just curious as where this traffic was and what what about the site. So I went to the site and I see what what they have. And the very thing is I, I use the standard. I don't use Google very much, but I use Google when it's something like um, I use Google when it's something that I should be interested in to see what kind of results will show up. In other words, I use Google not to find things. I use Google to uh, to check as to uh, what they think of things. In other words, I'm trying to uh, baseline what Google thinks of sites and 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 how they uh, how they interact with the site in terms of how they uh, position it or who has uh, put out an opinion. So first hit or result of this uh, archive search is tied to disinfo.eu. So disinfo.eu or they call it uh, is disinf- uh, so they write they wrote a whole little paper about uh, this particular website and i i went on on this first page and i see another article from media matters so media matters did a hit piece on it so uh they published this on april 4th of this year and it caught and the title of the, uh, the article is for Spanish speakers, far-right news site Tierra Pura opens the floodgates to American misinformation. And then Media Matters identifies over 1,100 interests of Spanish right-wing news aggregator Tierra Pura, amplifying English-language sources like Breitbart and The Daily Caller. So I'm not going to read through that, but what... Uh, what it caught my eye is that uh, so they 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 uh, do uh, like the heading hit piece where they go after each one. So Breitbart is one of them. Children's Health Defense, which is Robert Robert F. Kennedy's uh, Jr.'s uh, outlet. So uh, because they don't like anti-vax. So LifeSite News, another one. Great Game India. Uh, humans are free. Daily Mail. So they go after the Daily Mail. They go after the New York Post, the Gateway Pundit, the National File, Zero Hedge, Project Veritas, the Daily Caller, the Western Journal, Big League Politics, the Blaze, the National Pulse, and yeah, so they go through this. Now the curious thing, and I didn't, I, I didn't catch this on the first pass. I'm like I said. And, and their biggest beef with them is that they, they don't like it because they're going after Latin. See, the problem is is uh, uh, Media Matters is uh, connected to the Clintons, uh, David Brock. So he's been a big, he used to be supposedly right-wing, whatever, and now he works for the left. He's their, he's their uh, big dog, just like Mark Elias. So he's the big dog on the media side. And so... They uh, uh, anyway they they go through and there's certain narratives that they they really despise. So uh, there was just one part here where they talked about it. I'm not going to go through Tierra uh, Tierra uh, Pura's Spanish language audience is exposed to varying degrees of misinformation and conspiratorial narratives that are racist, anti-China, and anti-LGBTQ. So this article was written by Leo Fernandez, but research contributions from Carly Evans and uh, Kayla uh, Goddery. Now, Carly is the name that that I didn't know anything about when I did this initially. The only reason why I went to this site was because I got a few hits from it. And then I decided to to see uh, what this uh, Disinfo Lab is. And Disinfo Lab, I mean, they, they literally have on their site, they have a 
they have a picture of of uh, two hands with the uh, strings attached to it and to strings attached to it to a narrative. I mean, you talk about authoritarianism. That's exactly what we're trying to not do. But they post this up on their website, and they're proud of it. It says, from infodemic to information war. Now, they'll say that, oh, we're, we're pointing out that the, that the right, and they'll, they'll always position this as right. They, they got us in this dichotomy, this left-right bullshit. And it's always actually top-down. The top, the elitist people, the, or quote, we call them elite, but basically they're just sociopaths or psychopaths. They're just people with a lot of money, and they want to control the world. That's it. That's always been the case. It's People say, oh, that's just a massive conspiracy. It's like, no. If you have an enormous amount of money, billions of dollars, loan, uh, land ownership uh, out the wazoo, and you have these uh, lower level, I mean, they have a staff. And what does that staff do? That staff takes in their crazy ideas and it says, okay, how can we make this happen? Well, the best thing that ever happened to the, the quote, globalist uh, conspiracy was media. Why? Because it dis- it's easy to disseminate. It's easy to disseminate their ideas. They use their they use outlets. They buy into. I mean, they most of these uh, <laughs> globalists own the media companies. That's why it's so important to own the media because they know who what people's eyes focus on. And people, I mean, there's been many and many and many of uh, an analysis of this because there there's uh, uh, the same script is being used at all these different stations. They say it out loud. I mean, there's. There's a whole mashups of videos of totally different people saying the exact same thing verbatim. So, if it was like this was one was done by Sinclair Media, this was around 2017. Now, in your bubble, in your little, um, your little hive that you live in, say for example, you live in a medium-sized city out in the middle of nowhere, like I do, uh, you only see what's around you. You only interact with the TV stations that are available to you. You can interact with other TV stations, but you have to go looking for them. Now, what is the probability that you can get capture all that information and be able to vet it? You can't. So from your standpoint, you think you're getting something organic, but in reality, you're getting something that's being pushed to you. It's a push service. It's not, it's not that you're... Uh, uh, it's, it's not just merely occurring. Now, this isn't... This isn't this isn't conspiratorial. It is fact. It's what's being done. It's being done at a high level. So anyway, this disinformation thing is a. Uh, the thing is, is they hire people, and then I started. Then this is just so happened. So I just went through this article, and I, I started going through other things. So the disinfo EU board happens to have three members, and there's no link to their their. Uh, you can't link out, or in other words. They don't go into any great detail, but their board members, one of them is a, a former member of the EU Parliament. Her name is Diana Willis. The second person is Gregory uh, Rodin. Uh, it's R-O-H-D-E. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but we'll just say Rod. Uh, I don't know. I assume the H is silent. So anyway, so he used to be, and this is important, he used to be the Assistant Secretary of Commerce and the administrator of the National Telecommunications and Information Administration under President Bill Clinton. So get that, Telecommunications and Information Administration. Information Administration. What is Information Administration? You know, what is it that the, why, why does the government need an Information Administration? What does the government do with that administration? 
um, uh, information administration. Say that fast five times. So going down to the very end, he said, working on several pieces of landmark legislation, including the Telecommunications Act of 1996 and the Internet Tax Freedom Act, which it probably has nothing, Internet Tax Freedom. Now what they did is they took the Internet and they started taxing people. Uh, you have to report your taxes if you make sales. I, I guarantee that act has nothing to do with freedom and has everything to do with taking away your freedom. See, uh, there's uh, truth in advertising. Eh. The government ever advertised. I mean, just like the Patriot Act. You know, there's no advertising. Oh, it's about patriotism. No, it's not. It's not about patriotism. It's about you spying on other people. It's about you spying on people who are actual patriots while you're an actual evil person. That's what the Bushes put together. You know, thank you. Thank you, Bush. So, anyway. Not really. Um, I, I went through this. And so, this they make a smear campaign against this uh, group. And they have all these people that they've hired and whatever. But uh, I, have, I, I haven't published this yet. But this is an article I'm working up. Uh, but the general idea was that. So, so here's, the, here's the next piece of this. So, what happened is that I just happened to go back on Twitter. And there was a lady who posted something, and she was very, she said, uh, her name is, uh, the, the person, I didn't link to her tweet, I'm not going to, but she wrote this verbatim, I'm not going to tell you who she is, because I'm not trying to bring heat on her or anything. She just posted this, a woman who works for Stanford on a research project about narrative spread on social media just blocked me, and then parenthetically, for pointing out that she was endorsing forced treatment of, uh, forced treatment of mentally ill people. How can she do her job if she blocks people she disagrees with? And that person just happened to be Renee uh, Darista. So I didn't know anything about Renee Darista. She, but she works in disinformation now. That's her big. That's her gig. That's her. That's her. And I archived it. Um, she worked for various outlets. I'm gonna just read a little bit of her her supposed bona fides. This is coming from her directly from her own website, and I captured some of this. So, at the behest of the SSCI, Renee led an investigation into the Russian Internet Research, uh, Research Agency's multi-year effort to manipulate American society and present public te testimony, which she's done. So, she blames the manipulation of American society on Russia, which is, which is entertaining in and of itself because the, the manipulation of American society is being done by our own mass media. Our own mass media complex, which, oh, by the way, has more connections to China than it does to Russia, but whatever. Um, that's just that's a, just a little pro tip uh, <laughs> that the, the, our, our mass media is manipulating the public. The, the amount of manipulation from Russia would be like maybe 1% of that. Sure, I don't doubt that Russia and RT and other... Uh, have their narratives that they're they're foisting upon the American society, and we'll get into that. So she did this uh, alongside its hack and leak operations in the 2016 election. She's a leftist, and we know this just from reading the rest of her her, her bio bona fides. She she says Renee regularly writes and speaks about technology policy and, and influence operations. She is an ideas contributor at Wired and The Atlantic. The Atlantic that's run by Lorraine Powell Jobs, who's a big donor to uh, the Democrats. I think she donated like a half million dollars in 2020. You can look that up on her FEC.gov. 
but along with writing for of the Atlantic, she's you know, hers published by the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, CNBC, Bloomberg, Fast Company, Politico, Slate, Forbes, BuzzFeed, The Economist. So you know all all the all the clacks in the world, and she gets published by uh, journals. She did get published by Yale, but anyway, so someone had went through and. So she worked for a company called New Knowledge, and uh, New Knowledge, uh, uh, I, I took a little snippet of this. This was from a Reddit, but the Reddit leads back to The Intercept, which was written by Glenn Greenwald, which this article with. You guys might remember a guest from a few months back, Renee Darista, director of New Knowledge. So she was a director there, but she doesn't include that in her bona fides on her, on her bona fides plates, matching that, because she got caught. She came on Sam's podcast. Sam, um, what's his name? Sam, um, oh, what's his name? Sam Harris, sorry. Uh, talking about Russia, Russian sock puppetry on social media and about research she's been doing about troll farms online. So she's all into this. She thinks she's really something. Uh, so there's three articles linked in this, and the one was uh, tied to The Intercept. And uh, the thing is, is uh, in this Intercept article, so she, the thing is, is the the intercept. It was a tie to an NBC uh, situation. Well, I'll read the title of the article here. I got the link in the description. NBC News claims Russia supports Tulsi Gabbard, relies on firm just caught fabricating Russian data for the Democratic Party. So there you go. So this was she. He, Glenn Greenwald published this uh, February third of twenty nineteen. So and then. And it goes through a bunch of things about Doug Jones and all this other kind of stuff. New York Times, and the the so the CEO of this co- uh, company was a guy named Morgan, Jonathan Morgan. Uh, he the fraud was overseen by New Knowledge CEO Jonathan Morgan. At the same time, Morgan was fabricating Russian troll accounts and using them to create fraudulent appearance that Putin was trying to defeat Democratic Senate candidate. He was exploiting his social media expertise to claim Russians were interfering in the Alabama Senate election. In other words, Morgan used his own fake Russian accounts to lie to the public and deceive the national media into believing that Kremlin accounts were trying to defeat the Democratic Senate candidate when in fact the accounts he was citing were the ones he himself had fabricated and controlled. Sound familiar? Because this is what happened in 2016. Um, uh, <laughs> there's an article uh, by uh, Margaret Cleveland I, I have to go look at. It. She just published it today on the Federalist. And of course, will be people... I don't like the Federalist, it's right-wing conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's tied to the idea of the 2016 election and how the fabrication of, uh, of allegations by the Clinton campaign. So everything that they were doing, they created a fake Russian narrative, the, the P-tape, the, the whole thing with uh, uh, the Alpha Bank. It's all bullshit, and they know it's bullshit, and they're creating this bullshit. And they then they hire these people to create the circular re, the circular referencing laundering of information. So the very people who are complaining about all this Russia, 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 our entire media complex is working in a mass propaganda machine to create all this all this social conflict in terms of Russia, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, transgenderism, the whole kit and caboodle. The whole nine yards. This is all di- big disinformation campaign, and they're all and they're hiring these people. These people are working to do this to fabricate, 
they find whatever little evidence they can, whatever can authentic evidence, and then they amplify the evidence and they make up some more evidence and then they throw it all together and they call this legit. This is the way they operate. It's like, you know, okay, yeah, are there people out here that are extremely racist? Yeah, of course there is. There always is. In every society, there's always a a, a niche of people that are hardline, totally extremist, totally out to lunch. And I'm not saying that, you know, people say, well, you share, yeah, there's very little overlap between people who are normal and rational and these people. These people, yeah, they are literally hyper-extremist. And that happens on both ends of the political spectrum at the lower level of society. Uh, the upper level, the people I'm talking about, the associate, they use those, they exploit those poles because they what they want to do is they want to move the Overton window whenever they need to in order to keep the populace at odds with each other. And people are too oblivious to this game that's being played on them on a regular basis. And people are going to continue to be oblivious to this name because so many people, and in particular, left liberals, people that vote Democrat, are highly, highly, highly uh, trusting of the media. And you see that in Gallup polls. You see that in all kinds of polls. There is a wide discrepancy because about 70% still have trust in the media. Or at least 65% now, but... The, the, that percentage got up to 75 in 2019, or yeah, 75% amongst Democrats, and amongst Repu- uh, this is by, by voting block, and then Republicans were right around 11%, and the Independents were in the 30s, I think it's like 35%. This is a Gallup poll, and I'm just reciting this from the top of my head, don't hold me to that, but that's roughly the percentage levels. Uh, because people started to, I mean, and there is a significant portion of the population who knows they're being lied to. They know that they don't have trust in the media because the, the people that they used to listen to are, uh, I mean, when they listen to them, they listen to them because they would give them factual information. Now they spend all their time talking about opinion. Now people can say, well, I'm using opinion. No, I'm not. I'm citing resources that I find online and we're discussing them or I'm discussing them. So anyway. Um, here's a here's another data point. So, this is Jonathan Morgan. So, in response to the scam ring revealed, fa- Facebook closed the account of five Americans who were responsible for this fraud, including Morgan himself, the prominent social media researcher who is the CEO of New Knowledge. New Knowledge. Uh, so, I'd have to go look and see if that's even up here. He also touted himself as a State Department advisor, computational program, a propaganda researcher for DARPA. Brookings Institution. Brookings is heavily funded by one one Bill Gates. Like they've gotten like thirty or forty billion, uh, thirty or forty million, not billion, thirty or forty million dollars from Brookings, and they've also hired people like Victoria Newland, who was there in twenty twenty, uh, Brandy uh, uh, uh the one of the uh, Ben Collins. Those two people are quote working the NBC News what they call disinfo, QAnon. Um, they work at, they've, uh, they did a, a presentation at Brookings. Um, I won't say they work at Brookings, but they hosted them there in August of 2020. And I uh, highlight that particular thing because this is what they do. Uh, people like Brookings, Think Tank, tied to like Michael Sussman, 
and uh, uh, Jim Baker who says, oh yeah, I went around to all these think tanks, blah, blah, blah. You see how it works? You have think tanks, you have these media companies, you have Washington, D.C., the State Department, uh, then you have these uh, these uh, outside uh, companies that are being set up. Uh, so uh, when I click on that website, uh, New Knowledge, it got rebranded as Yonder. So that explains um, Miss uh, uh, this uh, other chick. So she uh, she had changed her. So she didn't mention that she worked for Yonder, or she she doesn't mention that she works for uh, New Knowledge anymore. It's been rebranded as a company called Yonder, uh, and their resources and careers case study about us. Let me see here. I got to see the uh, about us. So uh, the thing is, is I mean. I don't, okay, so it still has a press release at the top with Jonathan Morgan on it. I got to look and see where, uh, see if uh, if uh, she's listed in here anywhere, this uh, chick I'm talking about. I can probably do a search on her. I'll just put Renee in and see if she pops up. Because if she doesn't, then that means she left the company. So, let's see, Peloton, let's see if any, <clears throat> Wednesday. Uh, disinformate. I'm sure that's got to have her name on it. Uh, August 2018th. So yeah, she probably has left this company because, of course, you know, uh, she doesn't want to highlight the fact that she's uh, been working, uh, working uh, on this stuff too much because, of course, then it'll show up in her, uh, <clears throat> um, show up that she's connected to a company. Yeah, that she's, uh, uh, you know, obviously representing. The point is, is this is that when they get caught doing this, and in, in this, you know, literally, it goes to the net, it goes to a, a paragraph with her name uh, thrown into it completely. Um, see, here's exactly okay. Analysts at New Knowledge, the company, the Senate Intelligence Committee. So I tracked down that that she gave a briefing to the Senate Senate Intelligence Committee in 2018. Told NBC News, NBC News is one of the, like I said, that's where uh, Ben Collins works. They have spotted chatter related to Gabbert, Miss Tulsi Gabbert, in anonymous online message boards, including those known for fomenting right-wing troll campaigns. The chatter discussed Gabbert's usefulness. And then, quote, a few of our analysts saw some chatter on 8chan saying she was a good div- good divider camp- uh, candidate to amplify, says New Knowledge Director of Research Renee Darista, Director of Research at New Knowledge. So, <laughs> which of course is shitty writing there, but whatever, I'm not going to uh, give, them, uh, uh, give them pointers for that. Uh, that This is coming from uh, you know, a guy who's a lawyer too. And you know, I'm not going to use Glenn Greenwald for everything, but nevertheless, he, he certainly knows the game, and, and he's also been a part. I mean, the Intercept isn't exactly got, uh, what would you say, blood-free hands because they've outed people. So what per, what's particularly unethical about the NBC report is it tries to bolster the credentials of this group by touting it as a, quote, the company, the Senate Intelligence Committee, used to track Russian activities in 2016 election while concealing from its audience the fraud that this firm's CEO just caught perpetrating on the public on behalf of the Democratic Party. So, point being is, is yeah, these people are all 
hustling us and we're supposed to just ignore that and of course they'll say oh we're doing it for the greater good you're 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 making you're making uh you know you're you're just a right winger and you just want to throw a throw uh throw water on us and you're evil blah 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 so anyway Here's another part of this that's funny. So beyond Morgan's Facebook suspension, the billionaire funder and LinkedIn founder who provided the money for the New Knowledge Project, Reed Hoffman. Well, LinkedIn, by the way, now is owned by Microsoft, another Bill Gates outlet. He's got his hands in every cookie jar, and, and, and this girl's, oh, it, it gets worse than that. So this girl's actually worked, at, she's worked at the Aspen Institute, or, or certainly there's a, she's done a couple podcasts there. And Aspen has uh, promoted that and got her little picture and then so one of the uh, one of the broadcasts she did was in 2018 and it was because she's in technology the menace of disinformation Renee Darista investigates the spread of disinformation across social networks see what they want to do is they want to they want to poison the well they want to make it so that anybody who wants to work in these say for example if you're in if you're actually in a social media and you're using it to, you know, use social media for what it's used for, which is to spread your messaging of, of whatever it is, and leaving it up to people. They don't want to leave it up to people to make their own decisions. They want to shape the narrative, and you know, obviously, at times, they will move the narrative based upon what they need it to be at that particular moment in time. So they move it to whatever, uh, towards whatever policy or whatever. So obviously they've used the Black Lives Matter. They've used other things to to move the policy. And so anyway, I could go into it. I, I just linked to uh, I put I, I don't know if they I put the Twitter link to it, but uh, I'm gonna have to do that uh, in the description. But I just show that the Aspen. I saw how I I went and literally highlight where the Aspen Institute talks about the amount of money they get from Bill Gates. But here's a little snippet. There's a snippet from one of her tweets. This is just from yesterday. Renee Durista, and she's got a blue check. This is a conspiracy theory that Bill Gates is behind monkeypox. And trending in the United States, it says, hashtag Bill Gates is a bioterrorist. And she put in her second tweet, says, every time. It's like, yeah, because Bill Gates is trying to <laughs> trying to manipulate the world into all kinds of things. Uh, uh, Bill Gates is, yeah. And the thing is, is she's getting paid by Bill Gates. I guarantee she didn't appear at the Aspen Institute gratis. I guarantee she got money from that that appearance or having her anytime she's connected to the Atlantic or CNN or anything. She she doesn't get money directly from Bill Gates. Don't get me wrong. She's getting it through the companies that get money from Bill Gates. So whatever her appearance fee is or whatever she gets for for being a part of these outlets, she's getting a, a getting a, some kind of uh, money or compensation so that she continues to write up papers. And then that goes to the next part. So it just so happens that uh, um, just recently, February 28th of 2022, there's a there's a new paper on uh well it was published up on uh the journals of sage publications um it's the international journal of press and politics which of course you know the press is propaganda now and politics is well whatever you want to make that out to be but anyway so playing both sides 
Russia's state-backed media coverage of, quote, black li- hashtag Black Lives Matter movement. And the article was published by Samantha Bradshaw, Renee Darista, and Carly Miller. And Carly Miller is the lady that I just talked about that works uh, that uh, wrote the hit piece for Media Matters, which is connected to the Democrats, and we know Renee Darista is connected. So they're all running in circles. They do the same things. So I also went to uh, Carly in uh, uh, the, the article for Media Matters for America, and it's funny, at the top of Media Matters uh, right now, uh, under her thing, trending, it says Ukraine, Tucker Carlson, Elon Musk. <laughs> so you could tell it's just the new thing for anybody who pays any attention to Media Matters. So anyway, her articles, the things that she's got her name attached to just recently. So the first, uh, I'm going to just, uh, yeah, it tells you what, probably what the, it tells you everything you need to know, know about what's being pushed. So Facebook profited from ads promoting white supremacist great replacement theory. That's, that's, that's May 20th. Right-leaning Facebook pages are celebrating Twitter's deal with Elon Musk. In March, Libs of TikTok was the top Twitter using amplifying anti-LGBTQ hate. Now these attacks are exploding online. And it's a, on Facebook, right-leaning pages are dominating discussions on Florida's new anti-LGBT. So, and then back to the Spanish speakers, and then... Kajani, Kajani's Brown Jackson. So, see, they just run, they run total cover for these people. That's what Media Matter does, of course. That doesn't surprise anybody, and it shouldn't. But it's a, it's a walk down the, the thing. So, right leaning. They, she always put, puts right in there in some way or another. It's always about the right wing. Uh, Facebook is letting Russia and Chinese state controlled media push the false Ukraine US biolab conspiracy theory. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then here on uh, this is back in February. Facebook is allowing organizers of January 6th riot riot to promote an international anti-vax blockade. So this is I mean she's got like five pages of this. I'm gonna go back and see how far back she's been writing for this uh, outlet. I'm sure it's quite a while. I don't know anything about this gal because I don't pay any attention to her. Well, I clicked on page five, the, the last page. So, actually, she's only been writing for them since uh, 10-17-2020. So, fairly new. So, anyway, let's see here. <laughs> uh, the 10-17-2020, her her, uh, evidently her first article was, right-leaning pages dominated the conversations on Facebook during Supreme Court confirmation. Right-leaning pages. <laughs> it's just so much. Uh, <clears throat> and... Uh, okay, it's it's just amazing. However, the, uh, the, the 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 this is what goes on, and this is what you have to be uh, aware of. Um, they, and they 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 think that I mean, granted, they're with well within their right to do what they're going to do, but it's quite interesting what gets pushed and and from what angle and for what reason and by what people, uh, because if it's the same people over and over again. And I, I don't think I put a link in here to this article, but I will. The point being here is um, I learned, I started to learn about our uh, little media complex and the circular and the same parties popping up in the same places uh, and funded by the same people. Um, oh, by the way, you know, we all know that Clintons have gotten, um, well, 
over $500 million through uh, their various charities from Bill Gates, too. So, and they fund, you know, and people say, oh, well, now you're just making the same thing, making Bill Gates out to be the George Soros. Well, yeah, he's just a younger version of George Soros. He funds these NGOs. He funds, uh, I mean, he runs the largest NGO in terms of monetary uh, policy. He he puts in grants, and then he bets in the stock market, and then he puts bets on those companies in the stock market, and lo and behold, they wind up being... Uh, worth more money. That's all he grows is that he uses NGOs or you know obviously 501c3 tax exempt. He takes money from uh, Warren Buffett. He pumps it into his uh, grant pool of money. Then he bets on these all these organizations. Plus he's also funding all these little social little social things to to move the conversation. He controls media or tries to control media. That's why he gets platformed so much. Because that's a, he has to he's literally buying an appearance fee so he can go on there and act like he understands all kinds of things about medicine. He's not a doctor. He's even a graduate of college. I mean, and people listen to him. So this is nothing unusual. We all knew that this was going on, but my awareness of it. And I'll close out on this. Uh, I'll take a couple minutes on it. Is that uh, yeah? Uh, when I came back to the media. I realized that the people that were in the media were no longer, oh well, they, I, not that they ever were. Let, let me clarify that. I they were, they were able to, you know, shift their mind to calling all Americans racist because we didn't like Barack Obama, or we didn't like, or we were sexist because we didn't like Hillary Clinton, and this is nothing to do with. You know whether you like or hate Donald Trump, that's just kind of an aside. I mean, he was just different. The thing, and that is another thing too. And when I say he's just different, he maybe he said things that he said things that we wanted to hear. Uh, he was also somebody who, by the way, he was he was a Democrat before he was Republican. He pissed off both the Republicans and the Democrats, and they were working both to, to sabotage him or to make to make his. Uh, presidency they used his presidency so that they they were trying their best to stop him from doing anything whatsoever they just wanted four years of nothingness so anything that was the only thing they would allow him to do was to lower taxes for a little while and they've already undone that and of course the the democratic talking point is oh he raised tax he he just he was just giving money to the billionaires even though most of the middle class were the ones who who uh, got the most tax benefit uh, from it, but you know, I know this for a fact because I was middle class, and I was, when I say middle class, I was making at least a substantial amount of money in 2018 and 2019, and uh, uh, substantial from from my standpoint. And uh, the ta- I like a simplified tax code. I think all of us should think for a simple uh, should want a simplified tax code, but it also didn't benefit the Democrats because of the salt tax. They didn't get their exemptions the way they wanted to, so they were pissed off about that. And I can understand the blue states. The blue states can't don't. It's called the blue states and the blue cities. They're like, how dare he take away my uh, deductions? And and uh, yeah, because you know it impacted them, but it benefited the vast majority of the country. It just didn't benefit the people that that 
that are called technocrats and the technocracy that has been foisted upon this country by people who who want to social engineer everybody into believing the way they want them to believe and they have no good ideas whatsoever about running a country they are spoiled they're actually most of the time they're they look down their nose at people who don't have the level of education that they do and don't have enough uh, class supposedly or they look at they make broad they make broad generalizations about black people and hispanic people they obviously don't like it that the hispanic people might actually start looking at quote right of what they call far right uh, narratives or just basically information that's actually inconvenient to, to for uh the left wing to, uh, to have out there about them about themselves about the fact that the uh <laughs> that they're being hustled uh, that they're being exploited, um, and that people that are b- being brought across the borders are being abused and raped and used for drug trafficking and human trafficking and a whole host of other very, uh, you know, despicable things. And, of course, you can blame that on both Democrats and Republicans in, con- in Congress because none of them will actually stand up to Joe Biden and put a ramrod through a, a bill. Which, of course, you know, that would be nice if the Democrats weren't just lockstep on everything. The Democrats don't, they, they are groupthink to the max. And the, and the Republicans are, are just wishy-washy and squishy and they don't care. But that, that being said, they're all on the same team. They're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just putting on a show for us when they do any fighting against each other. That's just, that's just mommy and daddy showing that they can fight, fight each other. But reality is, is uh, you know, they want to pull this country right into the dustbin of history and they don't care they don't care that it's going to hurt them in the end they don't know that they may they may think that they can get away with it they think that most of the people are going to allow them to just you know destroy this country of course what they want to do is bring us down to basically europe's level and of course europe enjoys that because that's what europe's been europe too has influenced our operations as much as everybody wants to blame russia you can blame the brits you can blame the french you can blame the germans you obviously can blame the Chinese. Uh, the Canadians don't have no, uh, in some respects, don't have any love for us. You have a whole host of actors that have uh, uh, set themselves up and are like, well, we're tired of the United States winning. We're tired, you know, there's jealousy, there's envy, there's disdain. Uh, there's also good reason for that, too. You have people who have run wars for, you know, the Bushes put us in two absolutely evil wars that should have never been consummated. And yet we had a media complex that was glad to push that. The media loves to push war the same way with the, the Ukraine conflict. If if we hadn't set up the, the we set up the we set up the agenda that made it so it was so easy for somebody like Putin, who is not, you know, as morally complex as we would probably uh uh unfortunately like to think he is. I mean, yeah, you can he's an evil dude. Uh but, you know, when you go over there and you make threats to him, which Victoria Newland did, and said, we're going to wreck your economy, he was probably like, oh, yeah? And you know what? When you antagonize a somebody like that, well, you got what you got. And, and maybe, they knew, maybe they knew that that was coming and maybe that's what they wanted. Why? Because it worked as a good distraction. It worked as a great distraction for the people who are idiotics, uh, idiotic people who follow the media and t- go wherever the media tells them to go. 
instead of worrying about things that are actually domestic and important, which is, of course, saving a country, having a good economy, having good energy policy, having good jobs and having safety, having you know uh, a country that gives everybody the most opportunity to succeed instead of a country that's based upon uh, trying to pit people against each other, which is exactly what the Democrats have always wanted. They love to pit people against each other, and the Republicans are just shit heels, and they just allow it to go on because they they don't want to. They as soon as you call them a name, they run away. Uh, <laughs> they don't have any backbone or spine. They won't actually call these uh, communists out for what they are. So I'm going to end it there because I've been talking for way too long. I don't know if this broadcast will be as well received, but um, that being said, I didn't I didn't make it uh, make it for that uh, uh, end. Um, when I say ten years in the making, it took a long, a long time for me to come to the conclusion that uh, that we're being hustled, and that uh, we should avoid that. In <laughs> um, 2016 was kind of like the pivot point, and then I started doing research, you know, slowly in 2016 and 2017, and it just kind of built upon itself. I had goals and dreams and ambitions throughout this time frame that had nothing to do with being engaged in politics or paying attention to all this stuff. I used to believe in the system or certainly uh, have better thinking about the system. The system's broken. The people at the top are trying to destroy it all around us and they're going to blame all, they want to blame the people as always. They blame the people. The people are the reason why the system can work. The leadership is the reason why the system will not work now. The leadership in this world and the leadership in America will... Well, they're not leaders. They're evil people who have no have nothing left to give. They have no integrity, uh, no seeking of justice, justice for all, not just some, or justice based upon who they can get the most votes from, which isn't justice. These people are you know, devoid of any actual uh, moral sense. So we're all going to have to, um, eventually we're going to have to uh, get seek new leadership, uh, place the United States under new management, and the world for that matter. So I hope those who will listen... Uh, Take care out there. God bless the United States of America and God save the world. <laughs>